Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The first guest of the evening is truly a poet. He's an artist. He is a friend and an inspiration to anyone who I think who has ever played the guitar or tried to write poetry. Would you please welcome Gordon Lightfoot. times I just don't know how you could be anything but beautiful. I think that I was made for you and you were made for me. And I know that you won't ever change because we've been friends through rain or shine for such a long, long time. This is Carefree Highway Revisited, the show that celebrates the work of Gordon Lightfoot song by song. I'm your host, Mike Messner, and along with me today is a fellow Gordon Lightfoot fan, Terry Wick Machowski. Terry, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Thanks, Mike. I'm excited to be here. All right. So let's start at the beginning. How did you first get into Gordon Lightfoot's music? Well, one late night in 1972, I was coming home from a friend's house, and I can remember the exact spot that I was, and Beautiful came on the radio, and it just about took my breath away. Yeah. We didn't have internet back then, but the very next day, I went and bought that record. Wow. So did you buy the single or did you buy the whole Don Quixote album? The, the, well, I've got both, but the 45. Okay. Yeah. That was, I mean, 72, I was being born, uh, <laughs> but my dad had a stack of 45s from his uh, younger days. He was actually a DJ uh, just out of college. So I know the technology very well that you're talking cool. about. Well, I'm with the 45. If you don't put the arm over, it just plays over and over and over again. So it's pretty cool. Oh, fantastic. All right, good. It's been a while since I had a turntable. <laughs> uh, so what do you like in general about Gordon's music? The emotions, the emotions and the songs, the lyric and the music. Um, if ever a man could put emotions into music, it's Gordon. I mean, it's just, there's so many songs that he has that, I can relate to either the whole song or just part of the song, but it's just like, it just grabs your heart. Yeah. And the fact that he's able to control the way that he expresses them into such a, you know, a really compacted uh, area, because a song is maybe the most difficult thing you can write because you only have so long, you've only got so uh, many lines to say what you have to say. And he just paints such a great picture. You know, and we're oh, going to talk exactly. more about that as we go on. Okay, great. So what about your viewing experiences of seeing Gordon live? Have you seen him live? Where? What was it like? Oh, yeah. I, I've seen him many times, and I've been blessed to actually meet him a few times. Uh, the very first time was in at a college campus, and I figured out how to go backstage. And he was there, 
And when I saw him, I let out this little quiet shriek and it was like, where did that sound come from? I was, <laughs> I was like, I couldn't believe it. I did that, you know, and uh, it, it was just unbelievable. And, and I've seen him in a vintage music hall in Cincinnati, Ohio. I've seen him in outdoor settings. I've seen him at the state of the art new uh, venue in Carmel, Indiana, that the acoustics are just amazing, but I'd really like to see him in like a small intimate club. Yeah. It sounds like you've seen him all kinds of places. And I think he probably is better suited for relatively small venues. I mean, theaters, clubs, places like that. I don't see him as being a stadium kind of guy. Oh, no, uh, not at all. Not that he couldn't sell one out, but, you know, it just his his music is a bit more intimate, I think. Exactly. Okay, so we're talking about beautiful. And for me, the thing that I love the most about this song is that it is so rich, but it's also so simple. He is not trying to create a huge tapestry with the words. I mean, it's a fairly short song, three verses. There's no real middle eight. And he's not trying to make it complicated at all. Um, he's not showing off his vocabulary. It's just obviously straight from the heart. It comes back to the whole idea of the emotion of it. There are other aspects that I'll talk about a little bit later, but What's the personal meaning for you? Clearly, you love the song. It was the thing that hooked you on his music. But in this song in particular, what really gets a hold of you when you listen to the song? Okay, well, when I first heard the song, you know, I was like, oh, I don't know, 17, 18 years old. I was, I was you know, in high school. And it was a, a time in my life where, you know, you, you just kind of felt unloved some days. And I would go in my bedroom and I would shut the door and sit in the dark with the headphones on and I would listen to it over and over and over again. And it just made me feel somewhere somebody would love me like that, you know, and it, it just kind of gave me hope. And, and this song has been played at my wedding. I sang it to my son as a baby. I danced to it at my son's wedding. Now I sing it to my son's daughter and she calls it grandma can we watch at times i just don't know on on youtube and it's, just, it's just a song that's interwoven into our family and it's on the list to be played at my funeral so i mean it's just there's just something about it that makes you feel like even though he's not singing it to you it makes you feel that he is yeah and we're actually going to talk about you know who the audience was and that may have shifted as years go on you beat me to it because it seems like such an integral song to your life that you know my next question was are you going to have it played at your funeral but you'd already planned that far oh, yeah. <laughs> and i certainly hope that's not for many many years what to you is the best setting i know that you had a particular setting you know 18 17 with the door shut the lights out and the headphones on is there a particular setting right now that if you could choose any place any time of the day any location to listen to the song is there one that would be ideal for you having them here in my living room would be really nice um but my husband and i are campers and we will be sitting around the campfire and listen to that song and 
actually I'm never at a loss for words. And at our wedding, my husband at the, you know, when we're having the reception stands up and says to me, at times, I just don't know how you could be anything but beautiful. And I was speechless. And I mean, that was the first time in my life I've ever been speechless. And the only time in my life I've ever been speechless. So, you know, it's just Gordon's like in my heart, my soul, and just an important part of my life, I guess you'd say. Yeah. So it sounds like it's hard to pick just one location then. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, it, it, it could be in the car. It could be, you know, with my granddaughter sitting on my lap, you know, rocking her to sleep, just just anywhere. Yeah. For me, I think I would want to be singing it to my wife who is a beach girl. I mean, she grew up right next to the to the ocean in Northern California. And I would love to sing it to her on the edge of the bluff that is right near her house and that overlooks the sea as the sun is going down. Oh, I mean, Either that or by the fireplace in our house, maybe on a cool autumn night or something like that. So how the song is written, I've heard a couple of different stories. And one of them was that he heard about the death of a close female friend. And I don't know who that would have been. And that's how what inspired him. I've also heard that he wrote it about Britta, who was his first wife. But I'm not really sure what the origin of the song was. Do you have an angle on that at all? Well, I've never heard the one about the death of a friend. I've always wondered. And then when Nicholas Jennings' book came out about Gordon Lightfoot, in it, he says that it was about his first wife, Britta. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's probably who it was. We may never know, but those are the two different things that I've heard. Gordon himself said about that song, and I'm quoting here directly, Love Fulfilled, one of those songs I've played every night for over a quarter century, and I don't get tired of it. So obviously, it means a whole lot to him because he has over 300 songs that he could choose from, and he always chooses to do that one. Let's talk about the lyrics a little bit. We did the opening verse at the very top of the show, and then laughing eyes and smiling face, it seems so lucky just to have the right telling you with all my might, you're beautiful tonight. And I know that you will never stray because you've been that way from day to day for such a long, long time. Now, this is obviously somebody, he's singing to somebody who enjoyed being with him. The laughing eyes and the smiling face, this is somebody who's been infatuated with him and probably is absolutely gaga for him at some point. It's someone that he's clearly known for a while. The thing that I thought was interesting about that verse is that he says, I have the right telling you with all my might, you're beautiful tonight. And I wonder, does that kind of imply that somebody else doesn't have the right or that he's very honored? What do you think? Well, after I found out, you know, that it was probably written for his wife, that does give you a right that other people don't have. So that that's kind of the way that I see it, that, you know, she's like his and he's the one that has the right to, to say that to her. We'll be back to our discussion in just a minute, but first, a word from one of our partners. Hi, this is Audie Martello, the host of the Mostly Folk podcast, a 60-minute foray into the music we all love. You will hear newly released albums, classic folk, country, and bluegrass music, as well as some traditional music music 
that may or may not be true to the genre, sometimes irreverent, often opinionated, but always entertaining. You may even hear a radio magic trick every so often, as well as numerous interviews via Zoom and telephone with established as well as indie artists. Mostly Folk is available wherever you listen to podcasts and always at mostlyfolk.org. And yet, later on in that same verse, he's saying, telling you with all my might that you're beautiful tonight. And I can tell you that, I mean, there have been people in the past that I've really wanted to tell them that I thought they were beautiful, but it wasn't appropriate for me to do so. And if he's saying it with all his might, it means that either this is somebody that he's never revealed his feelings to before, or it's a statement that he's making with every fiber of his being. If he's writing it to Britta, then it's probably the second interpretation that I just laid out. If it's somebody else, then the anxiety of being able to tell someone you know, what they mean to you is an interesting juxtaposition. Any thoughts on that? I don't know. When I think of with all my might, I, I think of, you know, it's like with every fiber of my being, I'm, I'm telling you, that's the way that I think of it. And then the third verse, he has made a change to that in the past. And I'll talk about that in just a second or two. And when you hold me tight, how could life be anything but beautiful? I think that I was made for you and you were made for me. And I know that I will never change because we've been friends through rain or shine for such a long, long time. Now, being held tight, that implies that someone's being very expressive to him. And then now he's saying, and I know that I won't ever change. So he hasn't really been talking about himself very much in the song, but now he's saying, I won't ever change. And it's hard to hear on the record, but if you look at the actual Lightfoot literature, he actually does say that. So he's inserting his personal pronoun into this. And then there was one other part of this. Have you heard about this, Terry, that he has changed the lyrics to the third verse? No, I didn't know that. A few years ago, he commented at a concert that he changed one of the lyrics to, and in the darkest night, how could life be anything but beautiful? I think I was made for you and you were made for me. Now, did he sing it like that at any time that you've seen him? Not that I know of, no. He may have changed that just to be more generic or because that just hit too hard or something like that. Well, she has passed away and being the mother of his children and, you know, his first wife, you know, you might have regrets of your time spent with her and that could put you into a dark spot. In this song where he says, you know, when you hold me tight, how could life be anything but beautiful? I think that when he, when he sings that, he feels safe and he's thankful that he has her to hold him. And I think that saying that he won't ever change is his way of saying that he realizes how lucky and thankful he is to have her and he never wants to give that up. And then he finishes up by saying, well, I must say it means so much to me to be the one who's telling you, I'm telling you that you're beautiful. And then it gets out after that. So it's just so luxurious with the music. And I'm going to talk about that right now. 
the song was originally, as we said, on his eighth album, which was Don Quixote. We'll talk more about that album in a second. But I can tell you that my favorite musical part of the song is the major seventh chords. Now, for anybody who's listening that doesn't play guitar, they're a type of chord that are very easy to play, but they're not used in most folk music. Okay, They're used a lot in jazz uh, because they're a completely different feel. To me, it's a lot more luxurious. Terry, what to you is your favorite part of the song, just in terms of its parts, the words, the music, the accompaniment, the strings, whatever? Oh, wow. See, I've, I've never thought of it in pieces like that. I mean, to me, it's just beautiful. You know, I mean, I just I don't think about it. But like, I, I like the strumming. It, it, it feels calming to me and just kind of hugs my soul. I mean, it just the minute I hear the music, it's like I can almost feel my blood pressure go down the whole song, you can just kind of float away on it. Yeah, the chords are very relaxing. They are not ones that necessarily want to make you jump up and dance or jump up and sing, but they are chords that will relax the listener. And maybe that's why they're used in jazz, because jazz can be a very relaxing type of music. So the personnel on this, we won't go too much into them, but Gordon Lightfoot doing guitar and vocals, the strumming that you mentioned, some of that is Lightfoot and some of that is Red Shea because he tends to be a little bit more complex with his finger picking than uh, Terry Clements was. Terry did play on the album. Uh, Rick Haynes plays bass and he is still playing with Gordon. And then Nick DiCaro did the string arrangement. I've already asked you about whether he played this song when you saw him, and he did. He did not play it when I saw him. But this is where I always ask my guests, how many times would you say that Gordon has played this song in concert? I would say 500. You know, you're in the ballpark, but you're the first guest I've had that actually guessed low on that. 807 times. The most times he played it, he played it 50 times in 2018. The very first time he ever played it in concert was also the city where he played it most recently in concert, not counting the tour he's on right now. March 23rd, 1974 at Massey Hall in Toronto. And then before the current tour, he played it on December 18th, 2020 at El Macambo in Toronto. I have never been to Toronto at all. Have you been to either one of those venues, Terry? No, but actually, one time when my parents and I were on vacation, we went to Toronto and my, made my dad stop at a record store so I could go in and raid their Gordon Lightfoot selection because, you know, it's Toronto. They were bound to have a lot of, you know, selection. And did they? Yes, they did. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I figured that that's as good a record place as any, you know, would be to Toronto. It would be in Toronto. It'd be like going to San Francisco to look for the Jefferson Airplane or something. Yep. Now, the album went gold in Canada, and it reached number one on the Canadian RPM 100. It was number two on the U.S. Billboard 200, and it went to number 44 in the U.K. But then this is the first song I've done on the show that was actually put out as a single. Uh, the rest of them so far have been album cuts, but uh, Beautiful was actually released as a single, which explains why it was on 45. And the single was number 13 in Canada, and it was number 58 
on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. That was in June of 72, which was around the time that you said you discovered it. And it was also number one on the Canadian Adult Contemporary Chart, and it was number 30 on the U.S. Easy Listening Chart. So it clearly wasn't just you that had a good experience with that song, Terry. Right. I, you know, I keep thinking, I can't remember what was on the flip side of it, though. But yeah, I, I couldn't tell you what was on the flip side of it either. But it might very well have been another album cut from Don Quixote. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was the title track, but it's been re-recorded by at least 10 different artists. Have you ever heard anybody else cover this? Nope. And, and I don't want to because it's like it never measure up. So it's like I, I, I don't even want to. Yeah, quite honestly, the names of the people that have covered it, none of them rang a bell to me. You know, John Arpin, Addie Braun, Candlelight and Wine, Lori Cullen, La Liaison Française, Bill Hayes, the Tom Merriman Singers, Perry Novak and Bob Volkman, The Other Company, and Robin Wakefield. And none of those are are (laughs) artists that I'm at all familiar with. You've said that you don't think that anybody else could do justice to the song. I don't think they could either, but there are some people in the past and some people in the future that I think might have done an okay job with it. Believe it or not, I would like to have heard Frank Sinatra try to sing that song. Not that it would ever replace the Lightfoot version, but I just think it would have been interesting. I'd love to hear Louis Capaldi uh, sing it. And I don't know whether it will ever be covered again, but I know that if I was of a mind to make it as a professional musician, I think I might try to cover it if I could get permission to. Well, that'd be good. Any other thoughts on this as we close here on why it's an enduring, you've talked about the meaning that the song has to you in particular. Are there any other reasons why you think that this song is so popular or sold so well at the time and for years after that? Probably because it's a love song. And, you know, a lot of times people can't put their feelings into words. And that record might have done that. I'm, I'm really thankful that Gordon had somebody in his life that inspired him to write this. And uh, if I had to pick somebody now to sing it, I would say maybe Ed Sheeran. But my husband thinks John Legend. Yeah, I've thought about having Ed Sheeran sing it. And for some reason, I can't see him being quite that intimate. I mean, obviously, he puts his heart into his music, and I've heard him sing love songs, but I don't know if he would do well with a song that is this quiet. But, you know, it might be worth hearing, you know, mm-hmm. to, to see that. So, yeah. All right. Well, Terry Wick Machowski, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been a joy to talk to you, and I hope to have you back again sometime. Oh, thanks, Mike. I really enjoyed it. Anybody that wants to talk to Gordon is a friend in my book. (laughs) And thanks for listening, everybody. If you liked this well enough to listen to the whole thing, tell somebody about it. Carefree Highway Revisited is on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach me, Mike Messner, at teachermike72 at gmail.com. The next episode of the show will be coming out the week of July 12th, and my guest will be Adele Shalifu. She will be discussing Gordon's song, Approaching Lavender. Until then, this is Mike Messner reminding you, run for the roses, but don't forget to stop and smell them. See you next time. At times I just don't know 
How you could be anything but beautiful Think that I'm made for you Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.